I want you to become the ultimate learning machine. And what does this mean? It means you're in a constant state of exploration, analysis, and development and growth. I've not stopped doing that since day one. I look at the metrics. I say, what do we do well? How can we deconstruct this? What's one tweak I can make to this to make it a little bit better? Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver, and this is The Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. We've put together an agency accelerator package for agency owners and growing freelancers looking to scale. We've got all kinds of free resources like the 39 lead gen strategies checklist, our $20,000 website proposal template, live trainings hosted by yours truly, free access to our community group, and much, much more. Get access now and dive in at yougurus.com forward slash agency. That's yougurus.com forward slash agency. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver. And today we're hanging out with Chris Doe. The Chris Doe is an Emmy Award-winning designer, director, CEO, and chief strategist. He also runs the company The Future. He has many awards for many things. Many of you in our audience are Chris Doe super fans. If you don't know who Chris Doe is... I think you've probably, you're maybe new to this industry or you're not yet, um, you know, indoctrinated yet. Over 2 million YouTube subscribers. Dude, you like have, have changed the world of our industry. I think you've produced more content, better content than all of us other uh, agency coaches and design coaches combined. <laughs> um, and, and you've, you know, hopefully uh, uh, reaped the rewards for it. So it's an honor. It's a pleasure to welcome you to the program. Uh, excited to have you here, man. Thank you so much, Brent. That was a pretty awesome intro. So I'm gonna just just soak that <laughs> just, in for a minute. Just soak it in, man. Just yeah. just feel it. Yeah, I feel just it. feel it. So you know, I, I mean, I do want to start. I, I want to talk about a few topics today, but okay. you know, organic reach. Like I've gone out and you know, we do our homework on like what the market size is, and you know, we're working on scaling and trying to address, you know, trying to figure out like what is the total addressable market of the agency growth space and all this kind of stuff. And when you go out there and you like go through everybody else's like social media followers or like, you know, what the SEO tools say in terms of organic traffic, there's like all of us, you know, that we're like all in like a little group. And then there's this like outlier and there's like how many followers and, and how many people and how much traffic Chris Doe has. It's like, it's like off the charts, man. So I just... You know, I know there's a question in here somewhere, but it's like, what would you say to somebody who's trying to create that type of organic ecosystem, like traffic? I mean, I know it took you many, many years to get there, but like it's, you've created something that's truly like, it's an edge case. Like when we look at all the other players in the market, they're all, we're all hanging out here in like a circle and then there's Chris Doe in the future, right? Like what would you say has been the biggest thing that's helped you get there? Before I say what I think the answer could be, I just want to say I was there with you looking at other edge cases and thinking this is not possible to achieve, Mm. right? You look at like some of my design heroes are someone like Stefan Sagmeister. And when he was doing what he's doing, I think he had a couple hundred thousand followers. And I'm with my paltry 30,000 on Instagram thinking, boy, I've been reading his books. I've gone to his seminars. I've seen his TED Talks. Or now a recent friend, Aaron Draplin, with hundreds of thousands of followers too. 
And you think if I do the best job that I can do and I'm at that, I'm at their scale and their pace, they'll continue to grow and I'll just continue growing. So forever, they, they've already ran like 10 laps around you. And so there's no way that you can catch up. So I start here by saying this to everyone who's listening, that if this is your intention, whatever your reasons might be, nefarious or God-loving, good-natured, whatever it is, that if you really want it, you can do it. Whether you should or shouldn't is a whole nother debate <laughs> and conversation. But if a awkward, shy, introverted person like myself, who's really not one to seek the, the spotlight, can do it, I know you can do it because you have more things going for you than I think I did at that time. Mm. So I, I, I'm going to set the conversation kind of at that place. And then maybe we can get into the nuance of it a little bit more. Yeah. So when you ask about how does one grow to that size, I have to ask, why does one want to grow to that size? Or what is the intention behind it? And then perhaps I can tailor an answer for your audience. And, and I think, I, I assume your, I mean, your why is to to teach a billion people how to make a living doing what they love. So yes. that's, you know, the game that you're clearly playing is is measured in the in the Bs, not the Ms. Yes. So yes. I, I assume that's what's driving it for you as you're trying to achieve that that goal. Was that um did that goal come out of some of that momentum towards that or or was the goal first? Good question. I, I don't think I had a clear goal. I know a lot of people think, oh you have to have your mission, mission, vision, purpose, all that stuff figured out. No. I just wanted to teach people in a way that was going to evolve the way that I've been teaching the previous 15 years. I taught at Art Center. I taught at Otis and I would lecture around different colleges and universities in, in Los Angeles. And I think that was fun to do. And I got so much personal fulfillment, joy, love and development from it. But I'm talking to eight to 10 students. A, a big class would be like 15, which would be stretching my limit. Mm. Because I like to give individualized attention and critique and we could spend 30 minutes talking about one person's work. Mm. And it was grueling for my students, I'm sure. But I'm like, this is it. We're not leaving this until I feel like you feel like you have direction, clarity, and you know what the next steps are. But as it turns out, if you just teach 8, 10 people at a time, the reach and the impact that you can have is going to be limited to the amount of people that you can physically share space with. And it was this very fateful night that my wife and I were driving home from our center campus. And I love having her because she's, she's a designer. I went to school with her. She ran the company with me for a number of years, but she's been long since retired. So I drag her and I'm like, Hey, you should come, come to class with me. It'll be really fun. I'm teaching you things. So you might enjoy it. And I look forward to getting her feedback. She's Taiwanese. This all matters. Okay. And for those people who know, will know where this story is going. We get in the car. We drive home. I'm like, so how'd it go? How did I do? Thinking she was in a shower me with praise, Brent. This is going to be like, you're a genius. You found your thing and you had the students laughing and stitches and you're doing breakthrough work. God bless you. This is amazing. I love you, honey. You know, that kind of stuff. None of that happened. Sitting in the car and she's thinking a couple of things. I'm like, well, I wonder what she's thinking. And then she tells me, I mean, she asked me this question. It's like, do you teach the same thing semester after semester? I'm like, yeah. Uh, I don't like where this is going. And do you ever get tired of that? And mm. don't you think you could do more? I was like, I think this is my wife, not my mom and dad. They're telling me I haven't reached my potential. But I, according to her, this is not what happened. This is how I felt about it. But it got real tense in the car. Mm. And what she was saying is, you have a gift. Don't you want to reach and teach more people? Because I share in your enthusiasm. I just feel the shame 
that you're only reaching a few people at a time. Mm. So it was a long drive home from from Pasadena to the Pacific Palisades. And I, I was just bothered by it. And I, I have a clue for everyone. When something bothers you, there's some truth that you recognize, but you don't want to face. Because if somebody said you're a purple alien from a different planet, it wouldn't bother you at all because you know it's not true at all. But what she did was she voiced something that was deep inside of me that I knew I needed to do something different, but I just didn't have the answer. Neither did she, and that's okay. Because we don't need to have the problem and the solution for one person. Mm. So it's about six months later that I reconnect with another art center friend of mine, Jose Caballar. And he's like, Chris, let's go launch an education company. I'm like, perfect. I'm doing this right now. I'm trying to figure this out. And Jose had a lot more experience making content on YouTube. He was doing this weekend web design with Jason Calacanis's company. And he was an outgoing, gregarious, extroverted ADHD person. And I was like, this is perfect. He's like, you know, Bonnie to Clyde or Abbott and Costello. I don't know which one I am, but here we are. And we do our content. And then of course, all those different ideas come together. Oh, this is what my wife meant when she said, you could teach more people. But now I have to learn this new game about appearing on camera. Mm. having all of your ideas, your thoughts recorded forever and broadcasted to anyone without any context. I was inviting a lot of criticism, but I'm like, well, let me try it. And fast forward, here we are. Bob's your uncle. Yeah, yeah. Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to let you know about a hosting platform that is giving digital agencies and creators around the world an edge when it comes to site speed, scalability, and profit. It's called Cloudways, and it's designed to create exceptional experiences for you and your clients that guarantees unmatched performance, reliability, and choice with 24-7 award-winning support. Cloudways is excited to offer our listeners a $50 hosting credit in addition to their amazing benefits of their agency partner program. For more details, head over to yougurus.com slash cloudways or use promo code DASCW when signing up. Let's get back to our show. Dude, I love I, mean, I love that like that bit about you know the like a, it it hits because there's some truth to it, and I think when I think we all have that feeling sometimes where we have like unmet potential, yeah. and but then like having like having that feeling inside like oh man I think I have unmet potential, but then when somebody else sees it, it's like oh man like maybe there's something to that thought or that truth that maybe this should be something bigger. But I think that like if if I see even your your teaching stuff I and mean, even some of your earlier content, I don't know if it was like on a, a video of like how to charge a bunch of money for like a logo or something, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And it was like you had like a whiteboard and it was I think it was very clear that you'd spent a lot of time in front of a class. It wasn't the first time you were teaching that content as somebody who's, you know, created a lot of videos and taught like you know, the first time you do it, it's not that it's not that good, right? And the second time, it takes some repetition. And so I think without that classroom time, right? I don't think you would have had yeah. that like that foundation. Yes, and, and you don't realize it at the time and why I'm such a big proponent for teaching as a means to learn. There's mm. a connection between student, teacher, teacher, as student, et cetera. But for 15 years, I've been quietly honing my craft of teaching not very good, but working on it and putting in the hours, the the mat time, the road time, if you're a boxer, the stuff that no one wants to do, the, the stuff that is grueling, that's hard. And sometimes you have those moments where I don't want to show up today. That was the gym time. That's what I was doing. And I got two very powerful things, more than two, but the two powerful things I got from it was when I transitioned from being 
a designer service provider for advertising agencies and became a branding design studio and agency. I didn't realize this, but I had developed all these skills in facilitation. Mm. Because that's what you do as a teacher. Somebody has a problem, you listen to them, you help them to articulate their problem. You get agreement and alignment with a group of people and you start to work towards a solution, but you have to get buy-in from everyone. And so when Jose was teaching me brand strategy, design thinking, he's like, dude, you're good at this. I'm like, how could I be good at this? I'm literally learning it at the same time as you're telling me, but I was able to apply it really fast. So that foundation was 15 years in the making and allowed me to pivot really quickly and to learn how to do brand strategy. Same core principles. So that whiteboard session that you talked about was actually something I had not done before. Mm. It was unscripted. People criticize it all the time. Like, wow, it's so scripted. (laughs) Thanks. Am I really that good that you think this is a giant setup? It wasn't. It was no setup. And here's the true story about that video that is now our most popular video, both as long format and as short form content. Mm. A friend of mine who's about my age, graphic designer, went to Cal State Northridge. He's since passed away died of cancer, died of cancer. And he was there and he's like, Chris, should I go to your workshop? I'm like, if you want to learn how to price better, yeah. I had this whole prepared lecture, which isn't the video that everybody watches. That was like boring for people because I prepared this whole talk, <laughs> slides, everything. Right. So at the beginning of the of that workshop, which was held at our studio, he's like, uh, yo, uh, you gonna talk about how, how to price logo because that's really what I do and I need to learn how to charge more. I'm like, yeah, yeah, just be patient. I got to get through the the talk, right? So when I'm done with the talk and he's looking at his watch, like, dude, the time, when are you going to talk about the thing I came here to talk about? And so when he asked me that question, he was already kind of angry. We're friends. <laughs> he's angry. So he's like, right before that video, probably that we cut, he probably said something, like, are you going to talk about the pricing thing now or not? And that's when I'm like, okay, okay, let's talk about how to price a logo. What do you want to know? How much you charge to price a logo? And that became this thing that became somewhat of a viral hit. And it's my friend, but he's dealing with clients. And, and I think a lot of creators can, can relate to this. Dealing with clients that just don't appreciate what you do. Mm. So he was channeling all their negative energy. And that's what I ask of anybody who steps into doing role play with me. Like, don't be you because you're only selling to yourself and to me. It's too easy. Be those cantankerous clients who don't value what you do. Be that person. Now, my friend Jung, he's not the most logical person. He's very emotional. He's angry at this point. So the dialogue that you see between us doesn't quite make sense. He's resistant, mostly because he's channeling his client, but two, because he's not that logical. So Mm. when I say one thing, he agrees. And then he says something else that's the opposite. He agrees like, wait, which one is it? And can you reconcile this? And I inadvertently triggered an emotional response from the internet, either hating on him or hating on me or hating on both of us. And I think that's what makes for a really good piece of content. Can you stir people's emotions? Mm. So a lot of people, I mean, and and I think that's a, I mean, that's a good question to ask about any content that we're producing. I think that so many people have a hard time just getting content out there. Then there's like the quality scale, like is it even good content? Um, You produce a lot of content, but a lot of people produce a lot of content. You get reach, you get impact. And, you know, I mean, have you had any like ahas of why? Like, why does your content take off? Or why does, you know, is it, is it, a, is it that you're also like behind the scenes, like, you know, pumping the traffic, you know, wheel or something and, and pushing really hard on this stuff? Or, you know, have you gotten any kind of 
hacks or insights or, or maybe, maybe it's just purely mindset. Cause I mean, I think there's lots of people every, every day wake up and they're producing like a, a TikTok video or they're producing yeah. a YouTube video or, or whatever. Right. right. But not everybody gets to a couple million subscribers. Not everybody gets right. the reach that you've been able to achieve. Yeah. Okay. Let's go deep on this. And okay. I'm going to make some notes here and I'm going to encourage you to make this as meaningful to your audience as possible and push and pull and pick things apart and, challenge and all that kind of stuff because I want to get to a place of truth and hopefully satisfy you at the end yeah. of the conversation. All right. So I fully uh, give you permission to be as aggressive as you want to be. Number one, the secret to all of this stuff is to become the ultimate learning machine. BMW says they're the ultimate driving machine. I want you to become the ultimate learning machine. And what does this mean? It means you're in a constant state of exploration, analysis, and development and growth. I've not stopped doing that since day one. I look at the metrics. I say, what do we do well? How can we deconstruct this? What's one tweak I can make to this to make it a little bit better? Is it the delivery? Is it the format? Is it the structure? Less structure, more structure. Is it having it conversational? Do I need to wear something different? Do I need to wear a red scarf? Uh, do I need to grow out my hair? I don't have any hair. That's not going to happen. But you know, what do I need to do? And I would be willing to do it. I've gone on shows. You may or may not have seen some of the episodes where I fool on. I wear a wig and a mustache and a hat. I do the whole bit. I'm just trying stuff. Short of doing skits, because we did write some skits, but our ambition was more than our desire to do it. You know, we did a whole Kill Bill skit and it was really good. And I just, I don't want to produce it, guys. It's just like we have to cast and costumes, all that kind of stuff. You need like, so a, become, you need like a Christo like fan site that they can, you can just put the crazy ideas out and then somebody else does the, the Kill Bill skit. <laughs> it was a very good video, by the way, I thought. So you have to become the ultimate learning machine. And I think that's where most people just get this thing wrong. They batch their content. Mm. They follow some kind of prescribed formula. Maybe someone coached them to do it and they just follow it. And it's like you're not showing up. So number two, your passion, your enthusiasm, and your intention actually transmit in nonverbal ways to your audience. And they can feel it through the lens. They can feel this. You know this. The classic example is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I'm dating myself. Matthew Broderick. Is that his name? Matthew Broderick? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like, uh, I forget the guy's name, but it's like, Bueller, Bueller. Does anyone have the answer? It's like speaking in mono, Ben Stein, yeah. monotone voice. You can tell the teacher doesn't care. They're there because that's how they make money and it doesn't transmit. One of the things that I take great joy in hearing from people is they say to me, whether it's on a podcast, a YouTuber on stage, you were born to do this. I can tell you found your calling because you're so passionate about this. It comes through your pores, your eyes, your words that you choose and how you deliver them. And you can be forgiven for not having the right grammar, the right words, for stammering, mm. for having a heavy accent, for not having great stage presence. You can be forgiven for all that if they can feel you want to be there. And just think, last time you were in an event, when you can tell the person on stage really didn't want to be there, they're uptight, they're tense. They're staying very close to the podium. They don't emote. They don't change their intonation. And we're like, oh my God, when is this going to be over? <laughs> like, or we feel sorry for them. Like, please, they're, they're just like, we feel sorry. Like, oh my God, they're just so nervous up there. And we, we were taken out of the experience and we're empathizing or feeling pity for that person. So you, you need to feel it. And the way you feel it is because you really want to give something. Like if you had a thousand dollars to give, to strangers, to people who are in need, to homeless people, 
you would do that with so much enthusiasm. You wouldn't be shy about it. You wouldn't be like, oh, can I give you a thousand bucks? No, you'd be like, here's a thousand. Thank you for being a human being. I just wanted to connect with you. I see you're having a hard time. Boom. Hope you can use this. If you can't pay it forward, give it to someone. And so here's where it gets really confusing for people. They look at social media content creation, not as an act of generosity, but as a very selfish act to acquire more customers to jam people into some kind of lead magnet marketing funnel. They want to funnel people. And I get that. Some of that you you need to do so that you can still have a business to, to run, but people can tell your intentions. Now, I'll ask this question again, slightly rhetorical. How many times have you been to a really great workshop, webinar, um, a presentation on the stage, and you're like, this is great, dropping gems, this is gold nuggets, and you're scribbling away in your notebook. And then they pivot to the pitch. And then the whole thing sours in your mind, like, oh my God, this whole thing was a setup. I'm being manipulated here. Mm. And I think that's the other reason why that your content doesn't connect with people. They don't feel your passion. They know what you're up to because we've become very sophisticated consumers of content that we become hyper aware when we're being sold. We love to buy. Don't sell to me. Mm. So the way I like to do it is I want to kill them with so much value that they feel ashamed and guilty that they haven't <laughs> given me any money whatsoever. <laughs> Like, shame them to death. Just shame them to death. Pretty I much, shame strategy. you into buying. <laughs> yeah, it's in their playbook somewhere, I'm sure. Shame people into buying. <laughs> and then they get to that point in which they're like, take my money. Quite literally, take my money. And then at that point, I'm like, are you sure? Mm. Only if it gives you joy, I'll take your money. <laughs> one final hoop they have to jump through. They have to... Just yeah. one last one, just to make sure. And if they're like, yes, I would love to give you money. And th- this is quite unique, I think. Because I don't know that many people that are in our space where strangers voluntarily give money for nothing. Not just a little bit of money, but thousands of dollars. They just want to support us because they believe in what we do. We're like the wild, what is it? Federation for for Animals or something? The WWF, <laughs> Worldwide you Federation can, you, for you Animals. You accept donations. Well, we take it. You want to throw money at me? Make it rain, baby. Make it rain. I'm good with that. But that I mean, that shows, I think, your... I mean, I think the the value that you you've built for some people is um, is so great that you know they're they're willing to give you give you money for nothing. Yeah, I think that's that's an incredible compliment. Hey, agency owners, are you looking for a strategic and reliable white label partner to scale your agency business? E2M is the number one white label partner for digital agencies when it comes to website design, web development, e-commerce, SEO, and content writing. E2M is trusted by over 150 agency partners and has been providing white label services for the last 10 years. Their team has over 170 experts and is on a mission to help 500 agencies increase their revenue and profit margins with impactful white label services. Check out their transparent and flexible white label pricing at e2msolutions.com forward slash gurus. That's www.e2msolutions.com forward slash u-g-u-r-u-s. E2M is currently running a special discount for 10% off for your first three months. Check it out now. It's available for a limited time. I love this idea of just that, that like they feel that you want to be there. I was watching um, that movie, uh, The Star, Star, A Star is Born, I think, Bradley Cooper. The remake? Yeah. His, his brother, whatever, Jackson uh, Maine and his brother, Bobby, right? He, he's like, you stole my voice. And I can't remember what his exact lines were, but it was like, you know, but you had nothing to say. 
You know, like it's like it didn't matter that you had the voice, didn't matter that you had like the skills, you just didn't have anything to say, you know? And I think having having something to, to say is very powerful. But like, do you, do you feel like you always had something to say? Like you clearly have something to say. You clearly have like a message for people and maybe it comes from that learning. But, you know, like which which comes first? Like the getting up stage and talking and, and getting it out there or you know, having something to say. Cause like, I think some people like it, they don't have the confidence yet to really develop that thing. Like they haven't found the thing to say yet. And they're, they're worried, right? They're like, well, I don't have anything to say. And I see this all the time with agency owners and, and creatives. Right. And so instead of saying something, they say nothing, right. They just sit in the right. sidelines and they just, they get paralyzed and they don't create any content. And then it's kind of like this chicken or egg thing that they just get stuck. Yeah. Well, what you're talking about is there's some multiple challenges that people have to get through. I'm going to tell you what I think works for me and then everyone's going to have to figure out what works for them. But I have a problem with public speaking. I'm I'm like many people, this is not news to anybody. I'm scared of public speaking. I don't want to be standing out there in front of a lot of people looking back at me, hanging on my words, making sure that my slides don't have typos or what am I going to say next? What 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 is the point of all of this? You know, you have all those questions, that negative self-talk. So I'm still there. I'm not telling you I'm beyond that now. And I can only imagine how much worse that would be, Brent, if I had nothing to say. Okay, now I hate public speaking and I have nothing to say and I'm going to do this. That's two negatives. Like this is not math. Two negatives don't make a positive. Okay. So the only way I think that I can do this is I have something to say. Now I have to acquire the skills and the confidence and the techniques to be able to say it because I'm driven by something much greater than my fear of being laughed at or ridiculed or just being an idiot on stage. I'm driven by this need to connect with people, to share with them the things I've learned to lessen their pain and suffering. And I don't want to make it sound so grandiose here, but like when I say pain and suffering, I mean when your clients are pummeling you day in and day out and you can't seem to close a deal, when your, when your close ratio is steadily declining or falling off a cliff, I've been in that state in my life where I desperately reached out for help and the people who could had no interest in helping me. And the people who wanted to help me had no business in helping me because they're idiot and they're lost too. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's like the dumb leading the deaf or something like we're not going to do well here. So I, I would say like, yeah, you need to have something that you want to say. And where does that come from? It comes ideally from work experience. Like we, we, I heard Hormozzi, Alex Hormozzi say this, like, I'm not taking life advice, dating advice from an 18 year old. You don't know anything. You might think you know some things, but you don't have enough life in you just yet. And so what we want to do is we want to go out there. We want to do what we do, master our craft, at least have a few years behind us so that we can see enough patterns so that we can make connections. Mm. That's really important. Yeah. So how do I know how to respond to sales questions or objections or how to price things? Because I price hundreds of projects. I've lost a whole bunch. I've won a whole bunch. Hopefully I win more than I lose, but I've learned lots of things in between. So when someone asks a question, oh, yeah, I think I know, I know how to work through this problem. I've been in front of enough students for 15 plus years where they ask you random weird questions like, well, let's work through this problem together. So I'm not going to be a deer in the headlights and panic when a question comes at me that I didn't quote unquote prepare for. All of your life prepares you for this. And here's the one weird thing that I'm going to throw in there, which is I didn't, I never thought I had anything to say to anybody. I really didn't. 
And for a long period of my life, I just wanted to keep to myself. I don't go to parties. I'm, I'm mostly antisocial. I don't have friendships or relationships with anybody that I grew up with, mostly because it requires work and I'm not willing to put in the work. And when they invite me out, I say no. If you say no enough times, they stop asking, right? That's me. I have to overcome a lot of this and then discover in the process that all these years of being silent, I have something to say. I've just been a really good observer of things. Stealing that from Seth Godin there. Because I asked him one time, what do you do? How do you describe what you do? He's like, I notice things. I observe things. I'm like, ooh, I like that. I'll steal that. <laughs> well, well, we'll credit him on uh, on that as well with this episode. Hey, man, I know we're, we're I'm at time for, for our scheduled time. Do you have time to stick around for a quick lightning round? Yeah, let me see here. We'll make it lightning. Yeah, yeah, plenty of time. Don't worry. Okay. Yeah, we're good. What is the best advice you've ever received? To say what you think. That came from my business coach, Kim McLaren. And I think we process so many things in our head and we're afraid to speak them because we're afraid of judgment. And we wonder like why the other person won't give us what we need to know. It's because we're afraid to say it. So it, it, it does require some courage to say it, but you'll realize it's much easier once you start to learn to say things that you think in a nonviolent way that then people can then give you what it is that you want. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? Probably, I would describe it as just like being a deep diver, a nerd. I'm super passionate about something for, for a period of time. And when I feel like I've reached the bottom of that thing, I just unplug, disconnect, and move on to the next thing. So here's the example. I'm really into comics. So I start reading every book about every comic book creator that I admire, the writing, the inking, I study the lettering style, everything I can study the anatomy, I practice it, and then I'm like, I'm done with comics. What's the next thing? And there's a reason why this is important later on, right? I think it's Alan Trotter writes in his book, One Plus One Equals Three. He says, the thing, the problem with creatives is this, is we know how to talk about a lot about one thing, just one very narrow column, but we don't have a lot of other things to draw on. And so we can't make these deep connections. And we want to become the divergent thinkers that we're meant to be, how our brains are hardwired, but we have nothing from history, nothing from philosophy or psychology or sociology. We can't bring in anything else, but just, I'm going to talk to you about colors, type, layout, user experience, and that's all I got. So you can't relate. You can't make analogs to other things. And I think that that drive to to learn a lot about something and then unplug, you can save that for later. You won't know when it's going to be useful, but it will be useful, I promise you. But only if you go deep enough. Can you share an internet resource or tool or app that you're using these days that you think our listeners would find valuable? Yes. <laughs> this is not going to be a newsflash. Uh, this coming in from Anderson Cooper. Come, oh, wait, hold on. A chat <clears throat> GPT. Chat GPT, yeah. I mean, people need to use AI tools because it can augment what you do. Now, I'm going to take a little different angle on this, Brent, that a lot of people are not talking about. I have friends that are neurodivergent. They're on the spectrum. Uh, some of them are partially blind, partially deaf. They have learning disabilities. They have communication disabilities. They have all kinds of disabilities. But when I see them dive deep enough into AI-powered tools, they're able to do things that normal humans cannot. The bionic part of them, the AI, augments what they do. And so I'm seeing them like somebody who, who loves to write, but for some reason can't make visuals, turn those beautiful words into images that I cannot imagine otherwise. Or someone else who's on the spectrum is able to combine different things together, 
to make some of the most um, arresting, beautiful, thoughtful, conceptual, surreal images I've ever seen. And the list goes on and on and on as to how people are using it. So I know there's a lot of concern about ethics, legality, about what some of us are referring to as deep looking, worrying so much about copyright that they're going to miss the boat. There's undiscovered land out there and they're giving it away. I would encourage all the creative people, however you describe creative, whether you're in email marketing, you run an agency, you can amplify what you do in ways that you cannot even imagine if you're willing to try. And what book would you recommend and why? What topic do you want to know about? You can give us a few. I'll recommend. Okay. Here's my go-to. I would read The Win Without Pitching Manifesto by Blair Enns because you want to learn about positioning. It's not an easy concept to apply, but it's a worthwhile one to learn. Uh, the Business of Expertise by David C. Baker. The two of them happen to do a podcast together. Um, I really like The Coaching Habit by Michael Bungay-Stanier. It is a deceptive title in that I think that's a sales book, but you don't realize it. I think he positions it as a coaching and leadership book. But learning how to ask a beautiful question can do so many things for you for learning, for teaching, and especially in sales. Here's one that's really dated and ugly looking, but super powerful. Uh, Kevin Daly's book, Socratic Selling. I think it is the best book on sales that I've read so far, and I've read a handful. Uh, those are pretty good books to start with. I also love Positioning by Jack Trout and Al Rees. They are the ones who coined the term positioning. They're two old ad guys, and it's pretty brilliant. It's pretty groundbreaking stuff. And it turns out positioning is such an important concept. What an awesome list, man. We just had Blair and David on the podcast. Oh. At the same time, we had the two oh, Bobs wow. on, man. So, okay. so they're going to love the extra the extra plug. I was going to write them a thank yes. you today. So, so we'll link out to Win Without Pitching, Baker's Business of Expertise, Coaching Habit, that's going to be a new recommendation for our listeners. Socratic selling is a new recommendation and positioning are all new recommendations. So we're going to link out to those. Go grab them on Amazon, Audible, on our show notes page, yougurus.com forward slash podcast. Chris, this has been an incredible episode. How can our audience find out more about you? Is there anything that you have that they can check out? Yes. First, you can find me on almost all social platforms. I'm at the Chris Doe and Doe is spelled D-O. And the company is called The Future, thefuture.com without an E. I'm hoping that if you're a real fan, if you're a true fan, that you're going to make some effort to come see me wherever I'm at. I do free and paid events and workshops in the United States and throughout the world. I hope to see you in person because I do this so that I get the opportunity to meet you. I don't like doing the content creation thing. I don't like to speak on stages, but I know that's the price of entry so that you will have a reason to come up and say hi to me. This has been a fantastic episode, Chris. I, uh, I'd love to have you back on sometimes. I'm sure our listeners would love to have you back on. You've been amazing and generous with your time and your content. Thank you for coming by the program today. Thanks, Brett. Real pleasure. And you can check out more links info at yougurus.com slash podcast. We'll link out to Chris's website. We'll link out to all of his social profiles or just Google the guy and you'll get lots of content. Be one of those billion people that Chris helps to teach you how to make a living doing what you love. Look at what they're doing in the future. It's amazing. It's awesome. So much free content, so much free value. And maybe one of you guests out there will one day throw thousands of dollars at Chris because you just want to. You're just donating. You're just throwing money, man. Just like one of those other super fans. So 
Love having you here, man. It's been a pleasure. And that is this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. We've put together an agency accelerator package for agency owners and growing freelancers looking to scale. We've got all kinds of free resources like the 39 Lead Gen Strategies Checklist, our $20,000 website proposal template, live trainings hosted by yours truly, free access to our community group, and much, much more. Get access now and dive in at yougurus.com forward slash agency. That's yougurus.com forward slash agency.